ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Hello and welcome. Here comes another podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. He's Matt and I'm Simon. Can I just say, first of all, Liverpool are having a terrible season <laughs> and it's all going to fall apart. You oh, must well, be, well, well, here's the thing. It must be so embarrassing it's, for it's, you. It's, it's absolutely. I don't know any Liverpool fans who don't think it's all going to fall apart. So, you know, but eight points ahead and City have got to play all of they've got to play before Christmas. It's why people listen to this podcast. Yes, they do for our insight. football chat. Because <laughs> that's the way... That's the way well, it's, it it's so good to be doing another one of these. As we, as we absolutely promised we would, uh, helped obviously by the fact that I'm currently out of work, um, yes. but, but the fact that we can both get into a studio. How's, how's that looking at the moment? It's looking, you know... Like, I'm out of work. so there, there must be lots of people sniffing around. I'm round. sure, I'm sure they're all about to be banging down my door, but as it stands right now, You no. could, how about standing for Parliament? Because There's an it's idea. Not, it's not, as we speak, I think you can get your forms in, in the next couple of days. Yes. Uh, I'd well, vote you. Yeah, would you? Great. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's there's one option of me being in gainful employment before no, before that Christmas. That doesn't appeal. Uh, it doesn't. What's not work really. Does appeal. Just people. We've got some very influential yes. people who listen. Well, to this podcast. you know, something that pays the bills. That would be uh, very. I'll, I'll consider anything. Obviously, available for Does weddings. Does it have to have a horse for... involved? No, no more horses. No more horses. No more horses. So if it does have invo- a yeah. horse involved, you're not Yeah, interested. well, let's put it this way. I mean, obviously, I, I, I love all of our horses, and they're all great. Uh, had enormous fun with the horses for nine months. Didn't actually get on a horse at any point. Um, but uh, but uh, I think maybe that... that, that let's, let's leave that wonderful time. It's a bit like a sort of holiday romance. Had a wonderful holiday romance with... My my horses. Uh, this is going this down the very, road. very strange, <laughs> really. But um, but now let's leave it on the holiday. It, what, what what happened with the horses happened, and it's it's all over. So you know, what about you? What's going on? What, tell us the latest about your book. Do you have an argument with the horse? I never had an argument with the horse. No. So where where are we with your uh, with your espionage thriller? What, what's the latest um, on that? I have a book which is coming out. I think it's towards the end of May next year. Uh, we think we've sorted out a title. We think we've, we're just sorting out the artwork. Okay, and it's, I'm assuming you're not in a position where you're going to say the title yet. No, probably not. No, I don't okay, think so. okay. Even though it's actually on Amazon as this. You really? can actually pre-order it as this title. But I don't feel as I need it. 
the words will not come out of my mouth because I think that would be misleading. So hang on, how have Amazon got the title of your book? I don't know, but you can order it. You can pre-order it. Or is pre-order stupid? What that is is just ordering it. So yeah. You can order it already, even uh-huh. though you don't know what it's about. In fact, it would be an enormous act of faith. So, uh, but, so, <laughs> but the so the artwork you're still sorting out now. Yes, that's not down to me. Obviously, that's okay. to, that's down to the art department. But you get a say. You'll say, "I'm yeah. not having that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That be... horse has got to go for a one. Yeah, uh, well, there might be. Could be a. Could, could be, be a horse. Wow. Oh, Let's have a look. Oh, yes. Oh, no image available. It says here. Am I allowed to say what this title is, no. or should I not? No. no. Okay. Don't. It's a very good title. Do you think? I'm, yes, I'm glad you took. Uh, none of my advice on uh, on the title no, of the no, book. Now you know um, <laughs> you can order it. How much is it, by the way? How much is it? I think it was seven ninety nine, wasn't it? No, no, no price, no price at all. No, no price, price, free no cover, free. Oh, order wow. now! Why get, get on Amazon whilst, now, everyone? Whilst stocks last. <laughs> no, so it comes out. It comes out next year. I've got one more edit to do. Probably. So it's not finished. Well, it is finished, but there's a the, the final edit is kind of like dots and commas and apostrophes and okay. Uh, so you're yeah, not going to change the thing. killers or anything like that? That's that stuff. That's Who knows it. if there are any killers or not? Oh, yeah, might be. Yes, apparently. I'm, we're getting super production now. Go on. Weighs 503 grams. Well, worth the production there. <laughs> ben, I'd like to say, is worth every penny. So you know, Worth every penny. So you know how heavy yeah. the book is? <laughs> that's it. There is no other information available. Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to it. When's it out? End of May. End of May. Oh, well, let me check. What's it say there? 11th of June, apparently. 11th of June? Oh. Is it perfect? People picking it up in the airports on their way out, assuming we can also oh, leave the country then. Best love radio presenters. Presented the Simon Mayer's Books of the Year podcast. Yeah, did it say that? It does. Wow, brilliant. On that. Get, get us on that. 11th Amazon. of June, that's, that's interesting. No, 11th of June is good. You don't want it too early. You want everyone still getting excited about it before they get on their flights to Magaluf mm-hmm. or wherever. There's a lot too much. Uh, it's too, it's like, that's like the trailer uh, for a movie which gives away the final scene. Oh, uh, Oh, really? No, it doesn't. Way too much information. Oh, Do dear. something about that, Ben. Really? If you could just get on that, Ben. Brilliant. Right, well, should we get into this one, then? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> OK. So thanks very much, indeed, for getting in touch, uh, which you can do via Books of the Year at yahoo.com, and you can tweet us at Books of the Year. Correct. Matt's search for gainful employment, employment is subject number one. Andy Jones rhymes with Tandy Phones. Surely Scala could have a spot for Professor Orchestra Pit. Yes. With an umlaut over the O. Yeah. So that's yeah. Professor Orchestra Pit. You see, I've been asked this a lot about <clears throat> the uh, the sort of Venn diagram between classical music and rock. Yes. And all I can... I, I, I remember there is some viola... Is it viola? Viola. Viola, yeah. Viola. Uh, players who do a version of uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. And that's that's all I know. Yeah, of. no. Well, I think the most important thing is to remember here is, and I've been trying to find this. I've got a um, uh, an exercise book somewhere where Alan Freeman drew a Venn diagram for me. Actually, oh yes, and he wrote down he he used he used to say that rock and opera have a lot in common. Yes, because it's over the top, it's flamboyant, of it's course, extraordinary, you know, nonsensical. Correct. Yeah, Scandinavian. What? Scandinavian? Thor, maidens. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Thor and maidens. Exactly. <laughs> yes. All of it. 
all of it. You know, apocalyptic themes, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. So he, he said, you know, there a lot, there's a lot of the pomposity in opera is similar Correct. to the pomposity in rock. So yeah. he said it was quite possible to like both. OK, well, yes. I, I, well, I certainly do like so both. Maybe so maybe there is a spot for Professor Orchestra Pit. Orchestra Pit. Yeah, let's go down that road. Uh, recent shows. Hello, guys, says Rachel. I'm just starting to catch up with George Alagaya's episode, and I'm really relieved that Matt said if he hadn't had to read Young Chang's new book for the podcast, he would have given up at 50 pages. I feel really relieved and no guilt at missing out on that one at all. Yeah, thanks for your support. I'm sorry about that. I've listened to the hilarious Linda LaPlante episode about four or five times. Good for you, Rachel. So I think that makes us quit. And she follows me on Twitter. Does that count for something? Wow, okay. I think Linda LaPlante follows me on Twitter as well. Does she? Get me. Yo, Linda. Uh, best wishes all. And it's great to have a new episode with Miss Parks to look forward to this week. That's what Parks. we're doing Correct. in just a moment. Um... Amelia says, my favourite book of the year, because we were saying, you know, mm. what is your favourite book of the year here at Books of the Year? Philip Pullman's The Secret Commonwealth, which I've almost finished. That's me speaking. Yeah, now. yeah. I re-re-re-read his Dark Materials trilogy and La Belle Sauvage before reading Dust 2, as no one is calling it, and it was wonderful to spend so much time in Lyra's world again, or worlds. I rushed through Dust 2 in a couple of days. It wasn't the story of Lyra I was expecting, and I had to reread it more slowly to fully appreciate the book. I am left desperate for Dust 3. My favourite audiobook was Kate Atkinson's Big Sky, the fifth Jackson Brody thriller, read as ever by the ever-lovely Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Whatever happened to him. I'm currently enjoying the older John Boyne book, the Thief of Time. Warm wow. regards. What do you think of the um, the BBC TV? I loved it so far. Yeah? I've uh, just seen the two episodes, and uh, I think they've done a fantastic job. I think it really... It, the, and the casting is impeccable. And the girl who's playing Lyra, she's got such an amazing face. Yeah. And Jack Thorne, my old mucker. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, um, who is... Uh, yes, he's written the screenplay for his Dark Materials, uh, for his Dark Materials, and he's also written the screenplay for my book, yes. Mad Blood. So, I mean, whether that gets married, I don't know. Could do. Could well yeah, be. yeah, so yeah. Could, you know, maybe. He's a say. very talented guy, Jack Thorne. And The Aeronauts, which uh, is out now in your local cinema. Oh, yeah. With Felicity Jones and the other guy, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne, yeah. Uh, that's written by Jack. Really? And Yeah, and The Accident on Channel 4, that's uh-huh. written by Jack. I okay. Mean, Good Lord. Taking over the world. Yes, he is, clearly. Um, this from Heather McGilvray. Rhymes with weather looks shivery. So Heather McGilvery. 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 What's the A doing in there? Weather looks shivery. Do sort it out. Uh, To whom it may concern, there are some fantasy novels which transcend genre and you can confidently predict that they will become classics. Josiah Bancroft's Books of Babel are such books. Say that again. Josiah Josiah Bancroft's Books of Babel. Um, Breathtakingly originally and original and beautifully written. The three books published so far introduce us to wonderfully complex and endearing characters who must extract themselves from bizarre predicaments. The world-building is astounding, left me open-mouthed with astonishment on several occasions. I was often moved to laughter and then to tears as the story progressed. If you are adding more to your list of books of the year, please consider The Hod King... The Hod King, which is the latest published of these books of Babel. (laughs) You will have found a treasure. Uh, I think this is Adele coming yeah, into the Yeah, but keep going, keep going. All right, uh, that's Heather. Sincerely. Hello, Adele. Take us uh, in, Adele, do you want to sit there? Do you want to sit there? Do you want to sit there? Do you want to go there? Okay, no, shuffle no, on around. No, no. Matt's just finished reading way. an email. Oh, shall I? Have you finished that email? I've finished that email, yeah. Well, I'm going to read something else there. So Adele Parks is here. Uh, 
it's it's it quite intimate, isn't it? Here, uh, Marie Hollis. My favourite book of the year so far is The Beekeeper of Aleppo. Uh, oh, Dale's forgotten her notes. She's forgotten about her book. It's her book. Christine D uh, says Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfield. Wonderful storytelling about storytelling. And Sandra M, because uh, we're asking you about your favourite book of the year. And it's just a photograph of a book cover. And the book appears to be called Herr Sonneborn Get Nacht Brussels. Uh, which is, I'm going to say that's something... Uh, something to do with the Brexit-y, European Parliament. Herr Sonneborn, but it's got the European flag on the front. So it's going to be Mr Sonneborn, isn't it? Because that's what her means. Get, get, Gent, gets out, gets of out of Brussels. Oh, I don't know. Wait, yeah, yeah, something Maybe about, we shouldn't have done anything like oh dear, that. Oh, dear. It's all right. very dangerous okay. as soon as you get into that kind of territory. Yeah. So what's your, what's, what have you been reading recently? Well, then? Adele Apart Parks from Adele's is, book, which is obviously fabulous. Lies, Lies, Lies is one of my favourite books of the year. That's why Adele is obviously. going to be here. Um, but I would, I would, I would say. I mean, to be honest, I'm only halfway through this. Go on. But I actually paid for it. You're right, Adele. By yeah, the way, it's I'm very nice good. Hello, nice to see you. Uh, is the Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead? Oh, uh, Colson Whitehead okay. wrote, yeah, yeah, wrote yeah. the Underground Railroad, yeah. which was one of my favourite. Is books that out yet, or yes. have you been sent it? Yes. No, okay. I paid for it. I actually paid for it. I paid money. You actually paid money. Apparently, wow. Books cost money, and you go into a bookshop and you and you, and you buy them, hand over buy money. Them. And and then they give you a book in return. Yes. Anyway, it's 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 stunning. I mean, the quality really? of the writing is just amazing. So what's so, it? Because no. obviously, can you say anything about? No, I don't really. I don't know. I don't know. The characters are compelling. The story. I mean, it's quite. You know, it's quite tough. But you kind of think, well, in the spirit of the Underground Railroad, that was tough. But it had an ending where you thought, okay, we can breathe again. Okay. Know? Whereas this is sort of full on, is it? Well, it's quite, it's, you know, it's quite a tough read. Okay. He doesn't know yet, though. He hasn't finished it. No, no, no. no. Only halfway you, through. I'll get back to you on that. I'm two-thirds of the way through Max Hastings' Vietnam War book. It's a big book. Goodness me. It has been taking me about as long as the Vietnam War. It's just on. And I'm, do, I'm basically doing a chapter a day. It's goodness me. Unless well, yeah. you're unemployed, you can read Yeah, loads. there you go, you see. <laughs> Nothing to do during the day. Might as well read Max Hastings. Anyway, uh, it's uh, Adele. It's very nice to see you again. Thank you for coming in. Adele Parks' Lies Lies has already number one, like sold millions of copies. But just (laughs) while while we're discussing favourite books of the year, Mm. is there anything that has, you know, as you've been going through... Stood out for me this year. Yeah, do you know what? I was asked, what have you enjoyed recently? But actually, I read this in about February, you know, getting towards the end of the year, and I would still say this is my favourite book of the year, which is Claire McIntosh's latest, which is After the End. Really clever setup. Sounds very miserable, bear with me, because it's about a couple who have a child who's had a brain tumour and he, he's going to die. And it's a question of one of them thinks, let's stop all care and be done, you know, be done with it, just make him as peaceful as possible. And the other parent thinks, no, we're going to do absolutely everything, all the experimental care we can. Sounds like an Adele Park book. To prolong the... um, Yeah, she is beautiful. I would be very proud if it was one of my books. Um, uh, To prolong his life. Uh, So far, so normal that it's kind of, you know, it's a a family dilemma. But what she does very cleverly is halfway through the book, there is a resolution that one of them gets their own way via a court. One of them gets their own way. And then we see a sort of sliding door moment and we see both outcomes that if one didn't get their own way, how would it 
relationship turned out and if one did get their own way, how did it turn out? Um, so it's a bit like kind of the time traveller's wife at that point because you really need to concentrate. But it's beautifully written. It and whilst it's such a, a hard topic, I just just admired every single word on the page and it wasn't morbid or indulgent it was so precise I and loved it's it. called after the end by claire mcintosh yes it is and it is very good and she is a she's a fabulous writer do you find when you are picking books up to read voluntarily in other words not someone you know you haven't been sent it by someone saying please can you give us a quote or your publisher saying oh you might be interested in this if you're actually doing what I did and spending your own money, mm. do you tend to buy things that you think are similar to the area that you work in or do you uh, go non-fiction or science, fan- science fiction fantasy? Or- well, it very much depends on my mood, really. I mean, I would say that... Um, Okay, a complete confession is the vast majority of the books I read are sent to me because, you know, I, I, I review books, I go for quotes for books, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously I get loads and loads sent and people send in my genre and therefore it's actually quite refreshing when it's not in my genre because I know how people in my genre think because that's how I write. So I quite like reading something historical or which I know I have done, but I'm not doing at the moment. So, yeah, I'm but it's rarely nonfiction. It's nearly always fiction. Although recently my husband said to me that the side of my brain that's like logical needs developing rude. (laughs) And um, uh, maybe I should read more nonfiction. Because, you know, that Thanks would work, for your advice it? there, pal. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, he's such a lovely man, but he's like, have you thought of this? I was like, yeah, rude. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think the answer to that is how many books have you sold? Yeah. <laughs> and your expertise is what? <laughs> he is very logical, though, so, you know. Uh, your book is Lies, 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 and uh, we normally describe the cover, but I'm, I realise that my copy and Matt's copy... Yeah, these is, are the ones You've got the, the proofs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they tell yeah, you nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just yeah. says, read it. Okay. So the cover is yes. quite dark. Adele it's, describes her I'll, I'll do it for you. Do it, yeah. do it, yeah. It's quite dark. It's got um, a woman stood in the right-hand corner um, of the doorway, and behind her is a home that's lit, and in front of her is a wet road, her, her, her path, her you know, driveway. Um, she's got very shapely legs, I will say that. And um, the the lies, lies, lies in big golf font on the front, sort of bang, bang, bang. Um, it's nice to have a bit of golf font. It means they've got confidence in you. Is that, Does is it? that what it means? Yes. Oh, getting so much insight yeah, now. Yeah, really? that's what it means. Yeah, it's quite posh. They have to pay above and beyond. So right, they're, right. Really? Yeah, they're expecting to sell oh. a few. Well, I've got a, I've got a meeting next week about the artwork for my oh, next yeah. week. If you don't raised, sell golf font. Raised text raised and golf Gold font is Raise what you're after. Your publisher's going to love me. Is it your, aren't they? Is it your name in gold or the name? Doesn't matter. It's just the whole process of having to foil something <laughs> right. is a pain. That's what I want. Yeah. I need you raised want and I is want my it in name gold. in gold. <laughs> Why isn't it in gold? I want real gold as well. I <laughs> yes. want it a richer gold than a Delpa. <laughs> I just we found out online my, some, bo- my book. I thought my book was coming out in May, and I've just seen online it comes out in June. What's all that about? Oh, wow, that's outrageous. Is that yeah. a good thing if it comes out in June as opposed to? Oh, later? I think I think people just. I think it's good they move you if they're moving you around. They're looking for a good spot to bring you out, and I think it's it, the only reason I said, "Oh, wow!" is it's a really awful way to find out yes. that you're moving. Anyway, they can make up for it by raised gold, gold. and cold letters everywhere. Nice. Everybody's going to be so cross with me. That's right. me <laughs> in the uh, industry parting our ways. So, uh, first of all, I need to apologise because we were supposed to, we were supposed to do this 
uh, podcast a while back, and but I was Ill. I was a coffin so yeah. much that I just thought being you wouldn't have welcomed being in a small cubby hole. No, I mean normally a lovely many. opportunity, Simon, but no. So anyway, so we're a little bit late. So that's why we're slightly later than we would be with an Adele Parks book because it's already been. Yeah, it How came successful? out. Um, How w- successful? Well, it got a number one. Uh, oh, Yay! number one. Number one. Yeah, That's so a number one. Yeah, so that was one. exciting. <laughs> it was very exciting. So, yeah, it came out September, and um, in the first half week, it got to number two, which I thought was really exciting. But I have to say, I thought, oh, well, there we go. That's everybody bought it now then. And everyone was going, no, no, that means you'll get number one next week. I said, like, oh, I've been in this industry a long time. It probably doesn't. It probably means I'm number four. And then I did get the number one. But surely one. it must be because... The- won't there be loads of people who go into bookshops and they, when you know, like Waterstones and WH Smith, they do rank them. And so, if you see yours near the top, I'd go to yours. They clearly. do, and that's very lovely. But do you know they don't rank them in? They rank them individually per retailer. So oh, right. it's not true across the board. So you can be a number one across the country. You can have physically sold more than anyone else, and you can walk into a retailer and see yourself at number twenty. We're getting so much insight Sorry. today. I mean, is, is that like, more? Yeah. Is that good so information secrets. to have? No, it is. But, um, but that's because they do it on their own sales. Okay. You know, so it's not, okay. it's not crooked or anything. It's just like, this is our sale in X shop. This is how many we've sold. This is where it ranks in our shop. Which, you know, fair enough. I suppose in a way it keeps things a little bit more balanced. Now, you don't need to do this because this is your 19th book. It is. is it? Uh, and it's number one. But in, in the earlier days, did members of your, of your extended family sort of go into bookshops and just make sure that it was <laughs> Oh, we still placed? do that. <laughs> still do that. We are not above a bit of, like, shuffling. You're not meant to do it. You do not. Here's another thing I'm kind of confessing across the nation. No, you're not meant to move them, but I get lovely little texts of all my friends and family saying, yeah, I've been in X shop and I've just moved them. And I'm like, thank you. I can't remember who we told really me this. We really recommend. I can't remember who told Mola me this. I There's someone who would go into bookshops and offer to um, sign copies of his book so that those books couldn't then be sent back to the oh, publisher. Oh, yeah, that's right. A signed book is a sold yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a sort of means of making sure that it was still in the charts. Yes, but to be fair, that must mean his books were in the shops. Yeah, yeah, I know they were there. therefore him signing yeah. them probably does help to sell them. Yeah. Because even if you're not a fan of that particular author, you might be a collector of signed books. Mm. So they do sell a little bit quicker if they're signed. Okay. It's interesting, not interesting. just that they can't go back. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I realise that we haven't actually... Uh, you described the, the cover, but we haven't uh, explained. It's already been number one, so we're catching up here. But tell us about Lies, 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 and tell us about... Yeah, um, it's about this couple, um, as you mentioned, Daisy and Simon. They've been together 17 years. So a solid couple, been through quite a lot. Um, the two obvious things they've been through is from day one that they got married, they wanted children, and their first and only child didn't come along until 12 years into their marriage. By that time, they tried all sorts of treatments, of conventional medical treatments, less conventional treatments in, um, in desperation. And it has taken a toll on their marriage. Um, the toll is the second thing they're dealing with, which is Simon has always had a propensity to drink. And whilst going through all the treatments, he starts to drink a lot more and actually is what we would recognise as a functioning alcoholic. We meet them when their one and only daughter is... This isn't a spoiler, it's the first couple of chapters. Uh, We meet them when their one and only daughter is five years old. Daisy's very content. I mean, I think she thinks she's got enough on a plate with Simon's kind of teetering on alcoholism and the, the young child. She thinks enough's enough, haven't we done well, we had this miracle baby, let's leave it alone. 
Simon, however, is somebody who likes highs or lows, and he's pushing for a second child because he thinks he'd like to give his daughter everything, including a sibling. Um, and that's a genuine social pressure. We have an only child, and we know for many years people would say to us, when are you having another? We're the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All, the time, all the time, all the time. Yeah, yeah. As though you, are you happy with the lonely, yeah, lonely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not lonely. But mm. we might be. No, really, he's mm. fine. So we had, so that's kind of played into it, I think. Anyway, Simon takes himself off to an IVF clinic, best in the country, spends money they don't really have. And there seems to be some confusion over his notes because he's told that five years on, there is absolutely no chance of him ever fathering another child and more that he never has. So, wow. Yeah. So, somebody's told a, a bit of a por porky, haven't they? So, where has daughter Millie come from? Exactly. So, that's the first lie. It is called Lies, Lies, Lies. There's plenty of them. There's lots of twists and turns. It's actually, it's about this couple that both wanted a family so desperately. What was the lens they're prepared to go to? And obviously, I mentioned he's a functioning alcoholic. He functions ever so slightly less after that news. Um, and he, actually, the family that he was trying to hold together, he... You know, he puts under massive threat, and it 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 goes over three years. Yes, um, and and we get a chapter from Simon. That's right. Okay, and we get, and can you just explain a little bit how you've done first person and third person? Yeah. So Daisy's first person. So it's chapter by chapter, Daisy Simon, and I love doing that because I think it's one of the joys of being a writer. You get to be more people than you actually are. I mean. I'm 50 already and I've only been me, so it's quite a joy to write. That is why I write, so I can be other people. So in a book, I quite like doing different viewpoints. Um, so I gave Daisy first person, and I did that on purpose because I think Daisy's quite blinkered, actually. I mean, we're very sympathetic to her because she's the one who's had the infertility. She's, um, you know, got this alcoholic husband, Although we become less sympathetic, I suppose, once we find out that the baby isn't his. But um, she is blinkered. And so I wanted that first person because I think all of us are to some extent blinkered. I mean, writers try and be empathetic. We try our best, but we're all quite blinkered. Um, I put Simon in third person because, and I can't tell you why, but his circumstances mean he's in quite an isolated situation. And I thought if he was in first person too, his narrative would be quite boring. So his, it's his viewpoint, but it's from third person so that we can give a more omnipresent, omnipotent view of things. So I, it was thought through. It wasn't I, just random. I, th I think what I enjoyed most, and you've touched on it there, really, um, what I enjoyed most about the book, and I remember reading this this summer, is how much your sympathies swing between the two of them. Because you do, you, you're right, you start off uh, absolutely um, in Daisy's corner, then switch to Simon, then back to Daisy's. And I thought that they, it really fe it felt to me as well very much like a story of, of redemption of, of uh, for, for both of these, this is no spoiler at all, both of those, Daisy and Simon and other people within the story, tell lies. Yes. As indeed do we all. Yes. And this this brings me to, to, to my question, really, which is, I, so I've just finished um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, which uh, hopefully we're going to get him on, on the podcast in, in an upcoming episode. But he talks about how bad we are at being able to spot liars mm. and how to spot when someone is telling lies. Mm. And and yet it's something that we all think we can do. We all think, oh right, are you, and so you know, someone sort of touching their mouth or you know won't look you in the eye or whatever. And clearly those are things that uh, are tells. tells. Yes. They are tells. But if you know that, 
then here's a, here's a tip. If you're telling a lie, don't, don't touch do your mouth. Yeah. Don't Make sure you keep eye contact, that kind of thing. And I wondered whether that was something that you were thinking about as you were writing this book, as far as how we tell lies to each other, particularly to people that we love, people that are really close to yeah, us. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know I can tell a good lie. Obviously, I write fiction for a living. You know, I'm, I'm meant to be able to make things up and make things plausible, etc., etc. So for me personally, the way I distinguish between my fiction and my work life and my private life is I try and be really honest which can I tell you makes you relatively unpopular a lot of the time (laughs) Um, because being blunt or honest isn't always the best my husband is one of those people that really can't tell a lie well certainly not to me I find him he might as well have like a bubble above his head saying I'm lying to you now (laughs) and he does have a tell he blinks when um, and we we now ask him and he sort of has to hold his eyes opening in this unnatural way because we've told him he blinks so so now we know that if he holds his eye open in a natural way, he's also lying to us. <laughs> so um, I don't know if he's worked that out. Uh, but we do tell lies, and some of them are well-intended-ish. They're nearly always to protect yourself. You might pretend, oh, I'm doing this to protect someone else. You are nearly always, 95% of the time, telling a lie to protect yourself. Um, but there are lies that you tell to keep things together. You know, yes, you could are. say, I'm not going to say that because I realise the implications of saying what I did. But it will, yeah. will, so there are good lies. Yeah, yeah, there are. But inevitably, if you are the person who found, finds out you've been lied to, there's quite often that moment, you know, this isn't in the book, but I have come across this situation where somebody's terribly ill and they decide not to tell their, their nearest and dearest because they think they don't need to know that. And actually, that's your decision, isn't it, if you're ill? Um, But if you're the person not trusted with that information and then you have a a sudden bereavement or something like that, it's a lot harder, or it can be, because you think, well, why didn't they trust me? Why didn't they let me support them? Why didn't they... So it's always complicated. But, you know, it's childish to say... I'll be honest, I think it's childish to say telling the truth is always the best policy. It's not always the best policy. That said, the world we're currently in, I think a few of us would quite <laughs> like a little bit of truth now and then. Um, I don't know. It was really interesting plotting the lies in this book because, you know, I had Daisy in first person. She knows she's lying to herself to an extent, um, but she can't tell the reader. I don't want the reader to know for a while what the nature of her lies are. And she doesn't know everybody else has caught on. She doesn't know how quickly Simon has caught her out. So that was quite fun plotting that um you know that tangled web we weave when you say plotting the lies do you because this is a tangled story and there's a limit to what we can say beyond these these first few chapters in terms of what happens to 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 the various uh players that we have have here do you have a a separate sheet of paper or a separate bit on your computer where you literally know what you're going to reveal at which point or do you let No, I'm a planner. Um, So I've always, I was told very early on in my career, know where your ending, what your ending is going to be, then every word will work harder. And I think that's true. And it's certainly true of a domestic noir, a psychological thriller, whatever you want to call this genre. So I have an old school notebook for each one of my novels. And I write out, before I start, I spend a couple of months planning character and plot. So when I say planning character, starting with let's start with plot. So planning plot, I will work out what happens almost chapter by chapter. I mean that might move a little bit, but not much. 
And then, so I think, right, so this is going to happen and it's going to be a book about these themes and this kind of thing's going to happen. Who's the worst person this could happen to? Who would it affect the most? Because um, some people would deal with alcoholism in a different way to Daisy or some people would um, deal with infertility in a different way to Simon. So I wanted to develop their character so that it's a really big bang for them. Um, and so then I do this practice whereby I interview my characters. I have a literally a set of questions and I take them through a lot of questions, things like who's your favourite sibling, what's your first memory, who's disappointed you most This is written life. down, this interview? It's all mm. written down by hand in this big book. And then, honestly, that would be the most boring book if I then told you, oh, Daisy's favourite sibling is. But if ever I'm stuck and I think, right, she needs to be talking to someone now, who would she talk to? And I go back through my notes and think, ah, oh, well, she wouldn't talk to so-and-so because that was the biggest disappointment of her life, but she might talk to so-and-so because she trusts them the most. Um, I'll make that happen. And when that you interview your characters, forward. is it always the same questions? Or uh, are there largely, some questions in every single book? They uh, Largely I ask the same questions because um, they've been honed and uh, some I've sort of thought, oh, that's less useful. What's your most useful question? A really crazy one, but sometimes, I don't know if it's the most useful one that came to my head. I do work out what star sign they are. <laughs> do you love that? Because it's so bonkers. I didn't see that one coming. No, no be because it's so bonkers. There's a couple of reasons for it. You do need to know when your character's birthdays are, because if they have a birthday during your plot, okay, that needs yeah, to happen. Yeah. You need to know ages for things, etc. But I quite like knowing their star signs, because it gives you, if you believe in such stuff, which, by the way, I don't, but I know people do, it gives you a whole set of character traits hand handed to you. And you kind of go, okay, I don't really believe it, but Capricorns are practical, sensible, down-to-earth home lovers. You think, okay, I'll use that. That's my starting point for what this person's going to but, be like. But you're, when you're interviewing this character and asking them what their star sign <clears> is... That's you telling you... Oh, yeah, I'm not mad I'm enough to think that they are, they are answering my questions. I know I am answering my questions. Um, so, yeah, I do I do hold the control still. I think that's re it's really interesting, the, the, what you've just said, that, that whole idea of, of planning out these characters, and but the, the idea that you would start with the plot, because I know when we've spoken to other writers... And I think I'm pretty sure I'm 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 right on this. That when uh, we've asked Ian Rankin about his process, he doesn't know. He doesn't know at the start where this is going. Yeah. And often will say, "I didn't see that coming either." So when we've talked to him about a twist, yeah, no, I didn't see that and coming. It, it didn't turn out too badly for him. No, no, it? it's, no it's done all right. But, but um, it was really interesting to see that those different processes, because clearly it's working for you. As totally. Well. And actually, you could I I do panels and things with a number of authors and over the years I've heard people that say yep I do it exactly the same way as Adele and others that look horrified and say no absolutely not it takes all the fun yeah. out of it it's not what I want to do at all the <clears throat> truth is it, there are many many ways of tackling being a novelist um, and I think I'm more plot driven with psychological thrillers because they do tend to hinge around a reveal or a twist whatever you want to call it but some sort of rug pull um, and then therefore I need to be confident about my plotting. It works for me. But I'm a control freak, you see. That would be the first thing if you were interviewing me on my characterisation, that would be that would come out. So I think I just feel comfortable with it. Control, I mean, I wrote down some of the things that are sort of uh, integral to this book. Alcoholism, infertility, control, dementia, which yeah. is something we haven't talked about. But 
the controlling tendency, therefore, is something that you write about yeah. with great knowledge and understanding. <laughs> totally. I mean, my real friends, you know, they don't behave like characters. They ask my advice, ignore it. Um, <laughs> you know, whereas characters and being a novelist is, you don't, I don't think I realised when I became a novelist. I just wanted to be a novelist. I don't think, I, I think I was very young and I hadn't really understood why it appealed to me. But one of the reasons it appeals to me is I am very much in control of a world where in our real world, we're not really always in control. I mean, we shouldn't be. You, it's a bit weird. Um, so, But actually, when I'm plotting and, and controlling characters, I can give people more or less what I believe their just desserts are. Um, I can sort out... I can maybe put them in very trying, difficult circumstances, but I can retrieve them from that. Where in real life, you can see very bad things happen to very lovely people and do nothing about it, not be able to do anything about it. Yes. In fact, when Matt was talking about in ranking, I was just thinking Lee Child, who I think is going to be on this pod fairly shortly with his with his new book, Blue Moon. He's another one who says he sits in front of the... He opens his computer, turns his computer on, and he just starts. And that's wow. it. And he has... And does no plotting at all. And clearly, it's worked out very well for him, which just underlines the point you were making, that there's no correct there's way. There's no correct way. And it also does depend what else is going on in your life. So I've done 19 books in 19 years, and my kid's 19 years old. So I think mine was very much about, okay, today I've got two days childcare. I better sit down. So there wasn't the kind of, oh, let's see where the muse takes me. Let's see how much space and time I've got today. I'd be like, no, you've got to write 4,000 words in two days. Let's get cracking. So I think it's also to do with, you, you know, your work process and the other commitments in your world. Um, there's one other aspect that I just wanted to hear your thoughts about, and that is you said that Simon is a functioning alcoholic, mm. but it's, it's almost one of the scariest things in the book is how delusional he is. Yes. And just getting inside the mind of someone like that was terrifying. Where did where did you go to I mean obviously a lot of it is from inside your head and your imagination, but Where's the this, research? This is incredible. if I felt incredibly informed by what I was reading. Mm. Thank you. Um okay, I think we all have a really complex relationship with alcohol and particularly in Britain. I think it's a thing we haven't quite got our heads around. And whether that's you completely abstain, which actually, funny enough, my husband does, and my sister, neither of them drink anything ever at all. Or whether um, you quite like a drink and you look forward to it and you think that's going to be that's going to be part of my night. Or whether you don't understand that you're the most boring, annoying person because you just drink too much. You might, because uh, in Simon's case, he might... Uh, fall to sleep at a dinner party or he might get on the table and take his trousers off or he might pee in the corner because he thinks that's the loo and it's not, it's a cupboard. Those things are unacceptable and most of us looking on can see that. Um, but I think, I mean, the, our relationship with alcohol is changing. I think in my generation, people didn't think they were kind of having a good time unless they were absolutely plastered and there was a huge pressure to drink. I think there's a little bit less of that pressure with millennials. They're very aware of being fit. Um, they they work really hard and need to be up the next day. We sort of used to laugh about our long lunches and all that kind of thing and alcohol. I, I have felt very uncomfortable with alcohol on and off throughout my life because I know I black out with alcohol. Now, I can black out with two glasses of wine. Wow. I know, I know. Well, you see, I'm not tall and I'm not... 
big. So I, you know, but I can and do. And it was really odd. We've uh, because I when we still had sort of lunches where you might have a glass of wine, I would come home and think, gosh, I can't remember exactly what we agreed there. And that, you know, and this was good 10, 15 years ago. So there's there's no reason I should. And I, more I researched it, people would say, yeah, you can be allergic to types of alcohol. You it just as other things, it can have that effect on your brain. So, and you'll love this, guys. Um, I now only drink champagne. <laughs> this is, this is Isn't a, this gold? Yes, but do you have to tell this story every time every when you're? Time. I'm afraid I can and, only drink champagne. And everyone's because... really concerned for me, and they're looking. It's a health thing. <laughs> yeah, and they're Actually. all looking at me, all like, "Oh, we're really, really worried because you black out." And I go, "Yeah, but it, I don't black out with champagne." No, I think there's a. Couple... <laughs> and also, not any old champagne. I don't want the co-op champagne. <laughs> Bollinger, thank you very much. But you know, it's absolutely true. I don't know if it's because it's bubbly, you can't get volume down you. But as I say, even with wine, it could just be two glasses. I don't know if it's because it's self-selective, you can't drink it all the time because obviously it's not available all the time. I don't know. But I don't black out or have memory loss with um, champagne, but I do with other alcohol. Um, we've we've worked out of a reasonable toler- tolerance for margaritas too, which is Hang on. quite... Pe- I know, I'm just <laughs> I mean, picking drinks I like. Where's, I like. The, where's the Venn diagram I can only have margaritas? One. I can only have one. And two, I, I'm, I literally can't remember. And that's that's quite low, Just one pint? <laughs> one pint of margarita. Really expensive tequila, but that's it. That's you know, all I can have. But it's probably to do with the process of how it's made, isn't it? So, yeah. you th- so, so Simon came still is still a work of your imagination that you. Yeah, I mean, you... I went on as I always do with any characters uh, that I'm giving them an issue. I then go online and I go into forums. I tell them who I am and what I'm doing, and say, "Do you mind me being here?" Because obviously, if you're in a forum for support of somebody with alcohol problems, you maybe don't want a nosy novelist. But invariably, people going through difficult and lonely and hard times which if you're supporting someone with alcoholism, then that is you, want to talk to you about their story. And so I got a number of people coming to find me through social media and saying, oh, I understand you're writing about this, this happened to me. or, or And even when I've been promoting, there's quite often somebody who hangs back at the back of an event and I just think, you're going to tell me you've... Mm-hmm. And they quite often tell me they've like lost someone to alcohol you know it's it's that severe and i know that they just need that moment of connecting because it's a very lonely place to be what's, what's interesting about alcohol and lying is that uh, i interviewed helen mirren for the new film that she's done with ian mccallum good mm-hmm. liar and the opening sequence of that film they're both separately they're filling in a form um uh, like an online dating form and one of them is lying about whether they smoke and the other one is lying about whether they drink. And so they're both lying at the, at the same time. And Helen said, I've been asked all day about whether I'm a good liar or not. She said, I've just realised, of course, I lie about alcohol. You know, when you're filling in a form, how many units have you... Oh, just had Nobody two, says that. Two or three units yeah. a week. Mm-hmm. And that's what we lie about. I mean, Matt... Do you lie about your alcohol? I, I don't really, because I don't... I mean, I'm, this is going to sound like a lie, but champagne. I really don't... Champagne <laughs> and tequila are all I can drink. I, I don't really drink that much. I really... I mean, like, uh, you know, m- no more than, like, four or five units a week. That's, That's what it. I put on that Yeah, my I phone. know, I know. It sounds and like a lie. Have you ever pretended you drink more? Yes. Yeah. Ah, yeah, you yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I will root out the lie, because yeah. I think people sometimes do that, that... Because it's seen as kind of quite laddish to drink quite a lot and quite 
you know, masculine and sporty and in with the crowd. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of people yeah. pretend they drink a bit more than they do now, which is is yeah. also bonkers. Yeah. So you see, I've caught you out. You have. Yeah, well Matt, done. have you got anything else for Adele? Um, I, I, I tell you, well, <laughs> the, the only other thing that I did want to talk about is obviously we've we've spoken about how. Uh, Daisy and Simon, uh, good good parts and bad parts of both their characters. And, and obviously the most interesting books to read are always ones where you've got gradations of grey uh, between those characters. However, there is one character that we meet that straight away we know, you're a badden, uh, and that's Daryl. Uh, and this uh, we don't need to talk about who Daryl is, but you know he's a badden because A, he's good-looking, male and rich. And when those three <laughs> things come together in any book I've read, that is always like, oh, we're going to look out for oh, you, sunshine. Man, yes. uh, you never know. No, I I see what you say. That's quite interesting. But it's interesting because in the genres I've so my early genres were you know romantic comedies, and actually that signalled he's the one. Oh really? Yeah. Good looking and rich. Yeah. Well, but in domestic noir, he's trouble. He's, he's trouble. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Well spotted. Yeah. Um, Adele, what do, what do you? I know you've already finished your your, your next book. What's that? Um. Okay, it's called Just My Luck. And that's coming out um, next summer. Organised, planned, mm. controlled. Of course. Mm. Thank you very much. And at yeah. the moment, I'm proofreading it. I hate proofreading. I'm rubbish at proofreading. Uh, it's just not my strength at all. Luckily, there is a proper professional proofreader to do the job. Um, and I'm just meant to say, yes, I definitely think it should be a semicolon rather than a colon. Who knows? Who knows? I Who don't knows? know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stressful. Have it another, is stressful. Have another glass. <laughs> Adele Parks' remember. latest number one bestseller is Lies, Lies, Lies. Adele, thank you very much. Thank you so much. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.